Welcome to Day 6 Ranch Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Swick. On this show, we share testimonies from all aspects of the equine industry that will inspire you to pursue your purpose, optimize your potential, and prevail in peace. If you want to get more out of life and build your legacy-worthy lifestyle, we encourage you to visit day6ranch.com to stay connected. Welcome, everybody, to another week here at Day 6 Ranch Podcast. This week, we feature our faith-based series titled White Horse Remuda with J.R. Vazane. This week's conversation sparked from a previous discussion J.R. and I had out of the book of Revelations, specifically Revelations 3, 15, and 16. At one point or another, we've all fallen to complacency, and our faith is no exception. J.R. and I discussed several thoughts, ideas, and habits that we have used to reignite our fire within and pursue God as we are fervently intended to. Should this episode spark any takeaways or points of discussion, JR and I are always available to answer follow-up questions and dive deeper into the topics in Scripture, if you so choose. As October comes to a close, we will be attending the Road to Victory Gala in support of Victory Therapy Center and their Amazing Horses for Heroes program. The last few days of the month and the first part of November, we'll be making the trip out to Lexington, Kentucky for the 140th Annual National Horse Show at the Kentucky Horse Park. This year has flown by and we have several projects in the work here at Day 6 Ranch that we're looking forward to launching in the coming months. Should you be interested in all we have to offer in the form of podcasts, online educational material, speaking and in-person events, you can sign up for our monthly newsletter at day6ranch.com to stay connected. We hate to keep you all waiting any longer. Here is our conversation on battling complacency and the patterns of lukewarm Christianity. J.R. Vazane, what's going on, my man? Oh, just uh, enjoying fall. <laughs> cloudy, but weather's nice. Enjoying nice fall weather. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not 115, so we're starting to enjoy things here in North Texas a little bit. We're not freezing yet, so we're enjoying Montana. Well, I know it's been a busy couple of weeks for us, and we're trying to get back on here with uh, White Horse Ramuda, get some more podcasts lined out as far as this Bible study goes. And a lot of what this podcast was predicated on was addressing lukewarm Christianity that we've seen in the Western community. And this isn't to place blame. This is just a flat observation that, that we've made. And I think for some in the Western community, going to church and going to your Bible studies and things of that sort are a cultural activity and maybe aren't necessarily rooted in a relationship with Christ, if that's an accurate statement. And through this show, we want to help those who might be experiencing that lukewarm relationship help them develop their relationship to where that sucker's on fire. So today we're going to kind of talk about the mindset and the approach and some behavioral patterns that we can do to develop our relationship with God and make that jump from from lukewarm Christianity to to being on fire for God and really taking a really taking some risk and stepping out there and and being a true leader within his calling and his kingdom. No, I think you're hitting the head and uh I think this discussion is going to be just as convicting for us as it is for those that listen to it. And I think my prayer for this discussion is that that it plants a seed and lights a fire, fans into flame, as in First Timothy says, fan into flame. And whether it's for those that are caught just stuck going through the motions, because you and I both can admit we've been there. Absolutely, and, I've been there. And or those that are new to the faith and are are 
kind of challenging it and are questioning it and or might be a a quote unquote baby Christian or however you want to title that. I think it'll be super inspiring, super encouraging. And I don't know, maybe maybe cause some offense, might uh, step on some toes to challenge some guys to dig a little deeper and get out of the comfort zone because I know it's going to for me and I know it's not going to be a preachy message of shoving it down your throat. It's going to be a convicting message of what we've dealt with in our lives and, and watched as, as the Lord showed up and, and grew us spiritually. And I know it's just as much of a kick in the pants as it's going to be for those that, that listen to it. So I'm excited. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, uh, I know you come from the uh, rough stock world and yes, you're individually competing against other athletes, but it's very much a family. As far as athletes go, I can speak from a team athletic standpoint. You talk about holding, holding your teammates accountable. There might be some folks that, yeah, don't, don't necessarily agree with the message or the message might hit a little harder than they want. But you know what, when you're, when you're on a team and especially a team that's excelling in their function, you have to have these tough conversations and you have to hold each other accountable. But the accountability is coming from a place of love and not condemnation, if that makes sense. Absolutely. There were some pretty candid and colorful conversations that I had with catchers of mine or position players. I mean, I remember one time I was getting shelled. I mean, I, I couldn't throw a strike. And if I did throw a strike in this game, I mean, it was getting hit half a mile at a time. And one of my teammates, we actually got in a physical fight in the dugout right in the middle of the game physical fight in the dugout because he knew I could perform at a higher level. He expected me to perform at a higher level. Needless to say, we had a candid disagreement in the dugout. No love lost in there, but I, I have the utmost respect and I always had the utmost respect for him for caring that much, not only about our team success, but my success as well. And kind of funny, next inning, he walked out on, or excuse me, he walked up to his bat and he ended up getting plugged. He got hit by a pitch. And that got me all fired up, man. I can fight my teammate, but you can't fight my teammate. So sure enough, I walked back out on the mound next half inning. I hit the first batter that I faced as retaliation in defending my teammate. So it's kind of funny how the, the team dynamic goes, right? We can hold each other accountable and jump down each other's throat. But when we wear, wear the same uniform and we're fighting for the same cause, um, it's us versus them mentality that we take in team sports. And I'm not saying we go around and fight everybody because we have a disagreement. The point that I'm trying to make is that the tough conversations come from love and they come from a position of pushing each other and holding each other accountability and wanting what's best for our teammates and not that of condemnation in the slightest. That's funny. We're, we were talking some off the air about which direction to go with this. And as we got to talking about this, the reverbial Bible verse, it's always used as iron sharpens iron. Right. And, um, for, a knife to get sharpened, it's got to scrape against some stone and there's got to be some friction. And there's got to be some, some, the, the pitcher being used in there is exactly that. Those tough conversations, tough love conversations and tough love accountability. And, um, I've said multiple times since my, so I just hit five years here at the end of September since the wreck. And, I uh, I did a I did a podcast with Luke Branquino here not too long ago, and I talked about this also. But it, over the course of five years, I've um, I've I've said multiple times I don't miss rodeoing. I miss that feeling you get spurring bucking horses, 
the inexplainable thing and when your back's against the wall you run your hand in on a rig and slide up and knock it out of a beast and feel like king kong that now you're on the world, top of the world right? i miss i don't care if it's in front of eighteen thousand screaming fans it's thomas and mac or in front of two people in the practice pen at home it's that feeling i miss that feeling and i miss i've, I've always said i miss being around my buddies on the daily and yeah. it's taken me a long time to understand what that meant and it's taken me a long time to understand that not everybody thinks like I think and thinks like we think and thinks like warrior mentality people think. And really what I mean there is when, when I was rodeoing, I was around top grade elite bareback riders or elite rodeo athletes day in and day out. And when you're surrounded by that greatness, it makes you be great. And Whenever you have a feeling of doubt, when you're like, I don't know if I can spur Craig at midnight or I'm on the bubble, I ain't sure I'm going to make the finals this year. You had three other guys in your rig that were telling you to quit being a sissy. Let's go grab a case of beer and float the river. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you, you brush it off and you elevated each other to the highest peak performance level that you could get to day in and day out. So when I say I miss being around my buddies on the daily, it's that it's when I got integrated back into civilian life, I guess, for lack of better words of regular life, it's been hard for me or taking me a while to find my role again. And I, I have a hard time putting up with the duds. Yep. And I don't mean that in a mean way. I just when you're surrounded by iron sharpening iron day in and day out, year after year. You just expect that of yourself. You expect to be at your highest level of peak performance. You expect yourself to be on top of the world. You expect yourself to be positive. You expect yourself to be badass, for lack of better words, you know? And when you aren't around, when you aren't careful of who your circle is, I guess for me, I've had to make sure I've kept myself surrounded with people that, that do that. And whether that's in my business life, my my cow horse venture, my physical therapy world, whatever. But most importantly, my spiritual world also. I have had to be disciplined to surround myself with those people that are going to push me to top-level peak performance, to be the best that I can be. And it's so important in our spirituality that we do the same thing, that we surround ourselves with guys that are going to push us to be better. I'm not saying we can't have those friends that we don't bring along with us, but we also need to – Anthony Thomas stated it. Christianity should be walked out with somebody in front of us, somebody behind us, and somebody beside us. So somebody behind us that's at a lower level, somebody beside us that's at the same level, and somebody in front of us that's at a higher level. And I think that's true with any any area of life. <laughs> I yeah, think absolutely. You got to be surrounding yourself with 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 guys that are going to push you to to the next level. So let's introduce the scripture out of Revelations, uh, Revelations three specifically, that kind of kicked off this conversation. Revelation three fifteen, fifteen, and off the air we were talking about it, and um, I think. Yeah, just kind of the topic starter was the dangerous trap of lukewarm Christianity. And 
uh, we had talked, why do why do we even have a have a relationship with the Lord, or why are we even striving to be a Christian or a follower of Jesus or or any of those things? And I think modern day Christianity and and even in in my own personal life and in your own personal life, we've experienced it just going through the motions and. I believe Romans ten nine. When you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that that Jesus did what He did, that you will be saved. But I also believe that when you truly do that, that uh, there's a change and a transformation that's supposed to happen, and it's a relationship that's supposed to happen. And there's a dangerous trap that can happen when we treat our Christianity from a works based um, faith. That if I do this, I will get that that it can lead into a dangerous traffic just uh, going to church on Sunday or a Bible study on Wednesday or whatever. And we think that that is good enough and there's no, there's no spiritual growth or there's no change in life or there's no works that is coming from us, from our faith. Because in James, it says that faith without good is as dead and useless, but the works that come from my faith are because I believe, I believe that the Holy Spirit lives inside of me, so that's what pours out of me. It, the good deeds that I do are because I want to, because I love the Lord, not because I have to. And uh, Revelation 3, 16 says, I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Now, those are letters written in red so meaning these are words spoken directly from jesus and it was uh the book of revelations was a vision that john had a dream that john had and i don't know kind of talks about the end i'm not a very good theologian but talks about the end of times and the seven seals being broken and all this stuff and jesus's return and and all these things but these are these are letters he was writing to them to the churches of the day and so it was a message wrote to the church in like Laodicea, I and correct me for those that uh, listen to it that are way better scripted than I am. But basically, so he's writing to this church and saying that you're neither hot nor cold, and I wish you'd be one or the other. So when we're all in for Jesus, he can use us for greater things. And when we aren't a believer or when we are way cold, he can call us to him. He can call us to know him, right? But when we say we know Jesus, but our life doesn't represent it, it actually is a bad name for Christ. So when I claim to be a Christian, but I'm going to the bar on Saturday and getting drunk and acting a fool and and garbage is rolling out of my mouth and I'm being a piece of crap, yet I claim to know the Lord and and claim to be a Christian, it it really does a bad name. Or when I claim to be a Christian and, and my talk is gossip around the town and and bad mouthing the people that have done me wrong and harboring unforgiveness in my heart and, and all these things, right? That's just as bad. Or or when I'm claiming to be a Christian, but I'm judging everybody, not surrounding the people at the bar with open arms and inviting them to church, it's actually worse for the kingdom. So he's so basically Jesus is saying, I'd rather you be either all in or not at all. Because if you're not, if you're all in, I can I can do a great work with you, and and if you're not at all, I can I can call you to me, and if 
you're going to be lukewarm. It's just as good as me spitting you out of my mouth. And that really convicted me here recently. And I've, I've heard this message before multiple times and it, it challenged me. And, and at this stage in my life, it really challenged me again, just to, uh, check myself. Am I, am I all in and, and or not? And I think there's some days I freaking get that pitch thrown at me. I get a heater right down the middle and I crank a grand slam and I knock that sucker out of the ballpark. And there's other days where I swing at that sucker three times and strike out and I can't be a quote unquote good Christian, even if I try. So I think it's just a daily reminder. Am I, am I all in or not? And I think where I got super challenged this time around as I kind of studied that and went off some loopholes, I'll turn it back over to you for a minute here. But my, my, one of my personality traits is I, I'm an all inner. If in my younger days, it was party face. When I was all in, I was all in. And when I was decided I wanted to be a rodeo athlete and the teachers in my high school were telling me I better go get an education and find a job because bareback riding was no way to make a living. I proved him wrong by going all in. And I dedicated 15 years of my life to making that a profession. And I'm just, I'm, I'm an all inner. So why, I guess where I was challenged is I've known the Lord. I was baptized when I was nine. I went through a phase of being a lost sheep and getting called back to knowing. And the, I was sitting in a jail cell and asking the Lord for one more chance. And I said, I hear you. You've been talking to me for a long time. I've been lost and straying away. I hear you. I'm listening to you. I can't promise to do, I can't promise to be perfect, but I promise if you give me one more chance, get me out of here, that I'll do my best to live by you or to live right by you. And I think I've shared that on the, this podcast before. Mm -hmm. And I truly can look myself in the mirror and say since then, that's been 10 years ago now, I guess, since then. I think I've held up to my end of the bargain. I've done a pretty dang good job, but it hasn't always been easy. And there's been days I've failed and I'm not a, I'm not a perfect spotless creature, but I've dang sure committed myself to spiritual growth. And I go through lulls. I go through valleys. I go through hills and valley seasons in my life. And I go through through areas of completely 100% on fire and then completely 100% fires out and you got to relight the match to get me stoked again. And really, as I look back on the last 10 years, I think I'm trying to level that playing field out of not going through so high and low and completely trying to stay on fire all the time. And I think that's what the lukewarmness is, is... I want to, I've set up daily habits in my life and not that every day I'll get it right, but I want to, I want to not be the lukewarm water that gets spit out. I want my life to be, when people look at my life that they see, man, that's a God fearing man. And it's not always easy. And this time around, what I really challenge myself is developing in my spiritual life, developing what if mentality. Yeah. And what, I'm, what I mean by that is in my rodeo world, it was a no brainer for me to go all in. It was a no brainer for me to 
check myself whenever my partying was getting in the way of my rodeo career me going what if i give it up and go try to chase a gold buckle honestly and what if i go to the gym five days a week and what if i treat my body better and what if i stick my money away and create a business on the backside? and what if i do this and what if i do that to to the betterment of that craft and I've done it in my rehab too. What if, what if I go give everything up <clears throat> and go nine months? What, what if, what if I believe, what if I try this? What if I try stem cell? What if I try, try meditation? What if I try eating healthy? What if I try all these things that I found? What if I try hanging myself up by a pinky toe and rubbing peanut butter on my back? Right. What if <laughs> like I'll go all in. Yeah. So why, why is it? This time around, I need to be checking myself with that in my spiritual walk also. What if? What if I go all in? What if I surrender this area of my life? What if I surrender my finances? What if I surrender my relationship with my wife? What if I put – what if I make the Lord the absolute most important relationship in my life? And continually circling back to that mentality, what if I go all in? Because we've – I think it was one of the first ones we aired was the Ephesians 3.20. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. So if I truly believe that, what if I go all in? And what if I get out of the 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 norm of lukewarm Christianity and watch the Lord show up and do what only he can do? Yeah, I think you hit so many valuable points throughout that segment and when I look back on my journey and the lukewarm seasons of my relationship with God, I think it comes down to two things. And these aren't exclusive. These are just two that kind of stood out in my walk. One is I had this misunderstanding that God's work was only done through the exceptional in the form of pastors, theologians, somebody who had this very, very clinical and articulate and nearly perfect relationship with God. And I looked at myself as kind of being the the drinking, cussing, fighting on Saturday, go to church on Sunday type. Well, I'm not I'm not good enough to step in, right? I'm not good enough to take that action step. I'm not good enough to level myself up because I'm entrenched in all this sin consistently. But the actuality, when you speak actual truth in that, we are sinners. We're all sinners. And we're going to continue to sin. But we have to extend ourselves some grace in that regard. And as believers, we've all been extended grace, right? That is a very obvious statement that we should all understand. But I pose this question oftentimes when I'm speaking to groups is, if grace has been given to us, why do we get to be the gatekeepers of grace? Oh, come on. We hold on to it. We don't extend it in certain aspects of our life. And I'm I am absolutely guilty of this. I, I've failed to extend grace to many relationships in my life previously. Venture to say, because I'm human, I'm going to do it in the future too. If we take that a step further, why do we withhold grace in our own lives, in our own circumstances, in our own fact patterns for ourselves? We fail and we have this sinful nature and attached to that is shame and guilt and feelings of inadequacy. And because of those negative thoughts and feelings, I hung out in the lukewarm space because I thought I wasn't good enough to move on his works here on earth. Come on. 100% over. That was my experience. 
and now talking and speaking with a bunch of people, I'm finding out that is a very common experience for a lot. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I think any Christian that wouldn't say the exact same thing that you said would, is, is lying to themselves. And I'm not saying that there isn't those what we would call perfect Christians out there, like yeah. a lot of our spiritual role models are. My spiritual role models, they're, they're way better Christians than I am, right? But uh, but they also will tell you they've come from brokenness. They come from broken families, divorces, whatever. I mean, they've had their fair share of struggles, too, before they got to where they were. And if you read the book, you read the Bible— it's full of broken people that God used for great things. Uh, Noah was a drunk. Moses was a sissy who didn't want to step out of the step out of the comfort zone because of a speech impediment. Yeah. Uh, David cheated on his wife and had the one he cheated on with her husband killed so that he could marry her. And from those things came great things. And Dave, I love David's life because this was a mighty warrior who conquered a lot of kingdoms and did some freaking a bad crap. And he went down as known as a man after God's own heart. He wrote a ton of the new or the old Testament, most of the Psalms. And he had a son from that union, from that infidelity mm -hmm. who became known as one of the greatest rulers that have ever ruled our earth. And so if you don't think God can't turn around, turn your brokenness around and use it for the good, then, then I don't, I don't know. Your wood's wet, man, yeah. because the world's full of them. And I think that's the beauty of it. And I think you hit it on the nail head. Christianity isn't about being clean before you become a Christian. Christianity is bailing head in and letting the transformation and cleaning happen. Absolutely. And we don't we don't we don't rinse off before we get in the shower. We get in the shower and we rinse off. And I don't know. My life is is a 100% model of that. Yeah. And I I I was raised in spiritual homes. I was raised right. I was raised going to church. I was raised going to youth groups and I was started on the right path and I fell off the deep end and went completely 100% the wrong way and then bailed back in. And it's, it's still a daily cleaning that takes place in my life. And I think when that happened, when I reflect back on my life, what happened was the big sins, obviously you get control of those right away. Right. Yeah. So it went from smoking pot and drinking beer and womanizing and all that stuff. That stuff got cleaned out of my life first. Now it's quote unquote, the little sins of my life. The, am I being controlled by anger? Am I letting what comes out of my mouth be good and helpful to those that hear the words? Am I giving 10% to the kingdom, to my local church, or to, am I tithing, I guess, is how you'd say that. Am yep. I surrendering my whole self? And am I being obedient? Am I seeking after the Lord? Am I daily putting, picking up my cross and following Him and dying to my flesh, you know? So, 
the first walk of my Christianity was those quote-unquote big sins. Now it's a daily thing that happens. I live in a repentant heart because I fail daily. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but, but I've also come around to I, I give myself grace because, yeah, there's plenty of days I fail. But I've also came a long ways. And I don't get stuck in that. I don't get stuck in the lukewarmness. Well, I'm good enough now, you know? Yeah. And I, I still want to get better. And I think one thing that keeps me keeps me going is Romans six sixteen, And says, don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. And I think this is hits the nail head right on right on the or hits the nail right on the head with this topic too. Um, so if you're going to be all in, what are you choosing to obey? And earlier on in my life, I was choosing to obey gold buckle status and fame and fortune in the rodeo world and living life like a rock star because that was cool. That is what I chose to obey. So that's where my thoughts were. That's where my actions were. That's where my life revolved around, right? That's I lived, eat, breathe, sleep, sleep, drink. Yeah, and I might have been saying a prayer behind the buck and shoots and asking for safety and rubbing the bottle and expecting the genie to come out, right? But that ain't Christianity. Mm-hmm. That isn't following Christ. Mm-hmm. So then when I chose, when I went all in and I, I said, here's, I'm going to try my best to do right by you. Wasn't It didn't happen overnight. It wasn't the next day I was a perfect Christian, but I started there was change and transformation that happened and there still is change and transformation. I mean, you want to know one of the biggest, hardest changes for me that, that, uh, commandments that I try to follow is, uh, loving my wife. Like Jesus loved the church. That's one of the hardest ones for me to do. That's still a daily thing to try to figure out. Right. Yeah. And I don't know. I've just, the two greatest commandments Jesus said are love the Lord, your God, more than anything else. So love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And when I started truly doing those two things, transformation change happens. Yeah, I start being more mindful of the conversations that are being had around me, and I either chime in or I keep my mouth shut. Yep. Or I go in the grocery store and hear somebody talking down about how bad the world is, and I either join in on the conversation and poor pitiful sad me were doomed or i shine the light and be that encouragement and inspiration and say it's gonna be our height <laughs> you yeah, know yeah it's very true or i mean little things it, it they don't have to be great big mission trips it can be little things you know and where i super got convicted on that was john fourteen fifteen. it says if you love me you will follow my commands so in my life, how does that look? I read the Bible daily, and I pray daily. And I don't always just pray about things that I need. I pray that God's kingdom comes and that he changes me and he changes my heart. And I, I believe one of the most dangerous prayers you can pray is, Lord, search my heart and point out all that offends you. And you have to have some balls to <sighs> It's a scary one to ask. <laughs> balls to actually make the change because if you'll say that prayer he'll start pointing things out and it might be greed it might be you put way too much emphasis on your comfort zone with your finances and he might be calling you to give to some people and he might be calling you to give a little bit more and he might be calling you to not 
spend so much time on on and energy on your business. He might be calling you to open your Bible and read a little bit more and spend some time self-reflecting and inviting him into your life and saying having a conversation with him. And when you when you having the balls to listen to that voice, man, he shows up and it's not always in great big ways. Sometimes it's little subtle changes that happen. And sometimes it's little subtle differences that happen. And But if we're willing, I don't know. It's I'm kind of at a weird spot in life. It's, uh, it's not that I have it all figured out, but there's definitely some things that I've let go of. And my life is way more peaceful and way more productive and way more purposeful when when I'm when I'm truly listening for that voice and and believing that the word is alive and active and not only just reading it but applying it to my life. Yeah, and I think another challenge for for us and this again was my my journey is that by nature we play it safe. Our survival is based on it. So we're a little less willing to take risk basically for the viability of our lives and living in that comfort zone, knowing that tomorrow will come, whether it be financially, physically, whatever. Okay. So by nature, human beings want to play it safe. Why? Because our survival is rooted in it. Now to step out of that or from, if we're looking at at that from a mental performance standpoint, any exceptional work that you do or any exceptional performance that you do has to come with added support. And JR, I pose this question to you. The very first time you slid your hand into a rigging, how many people are in your corner? Maybe a handful, right? Some buddies, some family members, things of that sort. When you're competing for gold buckle status in the Thomas and Mac, how many people are behind JR Vizane? Yeah, you're sliding your hand into the rigging. Yeah, it's you and the horse. Yeah, it's only you two in the arena as far as the physical performance goes. But I would venture to say that the family is bigger that supports you. You have a whole entire sports medicine team. You have sponsors behind you. I mean, there are a huge number of assets that pour into you. Mm-hmm. And it, it was equal for me in baseball, right? The very first little league pitch that I threw, yeah, my dad was there. My mom was there. My brother was there supporting me. Well, as I go on in baseball and the physical performance increases and the amount of work that it takes to get that physical performance done, now we're starting to add doctors and chiropractors and trainers and nutritionalists and all sorts of stuff just so I could go out and do my job for an hour and 45 minutes, two hours a week as a pitcher. So if you're in a position where you're contemplating this lukewarm approach and, you, and you've been convicted through this episode, you say, you know what? There are some truths. Maybe I am playing it safe. Maybe I am just culturally going through some of these Christian activities, but I'm not really pursuing a relationship with God. How do I get to the next level? How do I level up? How do I take one more step up the rung of the ladder? And it goes back to community. You got to start putting the right people in place that are going to carry you and support you because everybody thinks progress is this linear path. And you described it great early on in this episode. It is not a linear path in the slightest. There are incredible peaks and incredible valleys. We want the overall progression to increase, but there are going to be days when you flat fall on your face and it hurts. And there are going to be days when you're screaming from the mountaintop. But the better we can build our network around us, the shorter those peaks become. The valleys aren't so low and the highs aren't so high. 
and we can start to change the trajectory of that that improvement, make it a little bit more steep in the overall evolution of this this journey. So you talked about reading the Bible daily. You talked about praying daily. What are some other things that you do to kind of help level your progression and make sure you're staying on that positive path? Well, I listened to a podcast, the James River podcast here not too long ago, and it was about seeing God in your life. How do we see God in our lives? And I was super, super convicted. And just to go along with this, so I don't care what level you're at. I don't care if you're a non-believer and you hear this and you want to challenge it. I don't care if you're, you've been a, been a believer your whole life and feel like you're stuck in the lukewarm phase or, or, or maybe you're way better than you and I and are still trying to figure out how to level up. But I think this one really, really convicted me here lately. So how do I see God in my life? And Hebrews 12, 14 and 15, um, it says, work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. And at first glance, when you hear that, um, if you're the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. Right. And really what he tries to do, he's the father of the world and he tries to disconnect us from 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 the father. So busyness or keeping up with the Joneses or comparison or he uses our worst tricks against us to disconnect us from living all in. And if I truly want to see God in my life, I need to work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. So that doesn't mean that I have to be perfect. That doesn't mean that I have to have it all figured out. That doesn't mean that I have to know it all or get to a level where I am perfect what that means is i have to be work i have to be working at living that so just to back it up romans romans 13 13 and 14 because we belong to the day we must live decent lives for all to see don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourselves with the presence of the Lord and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. So when I say that prayer, Lord, I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that you did what you said you did, that you came lived on earth as God in human flesh, that you died on the cross as the eternal sacrifice for my sins. You paid the price so that I can have a relationship with you and spend eternity in heaven with you. And you rose from the grave. You conquered the grave. You conquered death. That you are the Alpha and the Omega. You're omnipotent and omnipresent. You created the earth when I truly say that prayer, and I believe that in my heart, there's a change that needs to happen. So going back to what I said before, you become a slave to whatever you choose to obey. So am I spending my time thinking how to level up 
myself, level up my business, level up my finances, keeping up with the Joneses, owning the next fancy car, getting to gold buckle status, whatever, or am I choosing to surrender to the Lord? Now, I'm not saying I'm warrior mentality, so I'm all about setting goals. I'm all about accomplishing things. Those are not the most important things in my life. The most important thing in my life is being and doing what the Lord has created me to be and do what the Lord has created me to do. And so for me, I am a slave to whatever I choose to obey. Am I choosing to obey my fleshly desires, my worldly thinking, my my how do I raise the biggest, best cattle in the country so that I will be recognized as the biggest cattle trader, best cattle producer in Montana? Or am I shooting for those, that same status in retrospect to, Lord, I want to do these things because you are excellent and I want to use these things to grow your kingdom, to share your gospel, to show love to those that you put in my life, to be able to give to those in need, to be able to be an inspiration and encouragement to those that you send along. And so for me, it's been, uh, I think the short answer with how do, how do I, and what do I, um, I've, I've went through several layers of surrender in my life. And I think that's all the Lord wants from us. Yeah. That's incredible. Romans 12, one. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. Now, there's reference in that scripture to uh, the religious way was before Christ did what he did, that to get made right with God, you had to bring um, you had to bring sacrifices mm-hmm. to the altar. So to pay for sin, there was sin sacrifice, sin atonement, all these things, right? So to do those things, you had to bring these things to the altar, and that's what made you forgiven. And what Christ did for me paid that price. So there's nothing I can do to earn it. There's no right sacrifice. You had to bring the, the first and the best as a sacrifice. So there's no way to earn salvation. There's no amount of money that can pay for it. There's no amount of good that can pay for it. He just wants my heart no matter where I'm at. He just wants me. He loves me so much. He wants my brokenness. He wants my self-pity. He wants my my worries, my cares, my I don't know how I'm going to make it through tomorrow. I'm not tough enough, strong enough. I'm not able I'm I'm not whatever. He wants me right where I'm at. I've I've been a piece of crap. I've I was a drunk. I was hooked on drugs. I was a womanizer. I, I've done a lot of bad things. I I can't be good enough. He doesn't care. You don't have to be good enough because he was perfect. And he just wants me to love him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love my neighbor as I love myself. So for me, it takes daily discipline. It takes waking up and reminding myself of when my feet hit the ground, Lord, I'm thankful for the day. What would you have me do today? And it takes me opening up that 
Bible and going, okay, Lord, convict me, pierce my heart, change my heart. Show me a word that you want me to apply to my life today. And sometimes it's big ones like you need to have a little more faith. You need to quit doubt and you need to you need to step off and go down this route. I'm telling you to go down and quit beating around the bush. And sometimes it's you need to watch your mouth so you're not complaining and arguing. You need to look after somebody else's cares as much as you look after your own. And you need to let everything out of your mouth be uplifting and encouraging today. You know, sometimes it's those deals. Um, I, I know I'm a slave to whatever I choose to obey. So I choose to listen to, to podcasts that are Christian podcasts that challenge me. I choose to make phone calls to guys. Um, well, I think it's in, I think it's also in James, um, confess your sins to one another, uh, for the, the, prayer of a righteous man can heal the iniquities of a bunch or however that verse goes. So I choose to make those phone calls or have those coffee cup meetings with people and tell them where I'm, where, where my shortcomings are. I choose to be obedient. I choose to be vulnerable. I choose to make phone calls to brothers and say, I'm a freaking piece of crap here, man. How do I get better? And The Lord has designed the world for community, and you hit it on the nail head. Community isn't just showing up to the t-ball game on Sundays and participating in the local barbecues. Community means getting in bed with those guys and having those tough conversations and being vulnerable. Here's where I'm weak. I have a porn addiction. I have a drinking addiction. I have drug addiction. And letting iron sharpen iron, having those tough conversations— I'm not saying you got to just go out and blab it to the whole world. You got to find those those relationships that where you can trust and where you can be vulnerable so that those guys can surround you and blanket you with love and get on each side of you and pick you up out of the dark deep to despair and then hold you accountable so that when you do slip back or when you do have a shortcoming and when you do have a bad day you don't just bury it inside and try to handle it on your own that you have guys that will kick you in the butt and say it's okay that you failed how do we get past it and get better and i choose to i choose to have those relationships and i choose to listen to those bible studies and i i have to be obedient and sometimes change the channel when it's lead my mind in a dark place or in a worldly standpoint and I think that's the that's the hard part of the relationship is the more refined it gets the finer comb tooth and you have to have and for me personally it's just daily surrendering it's daily going okay lord what would you what would you have me learn today what would you have me do today which direction would you have me go today and some days i hit it out of the ballpark and some days i fail but daily striving is i guess simply put daily striving and spending time in my word spending time in prayer and spending time around like-minded believers that lift me up and hold me accountable yeah, those were the major transformations that I had. Very, very similar to that. My encouragement to anybody, Jared made the point of having different layers of surrender. And think about it from a scalability standpoint. He had talked about some of those big, major, obvious sins getting wiped off the plate first. And then he becomes more and more refined as his relationship has grown. And that was the same for my journey. And my encouragement to the listeners would be 
first and foremost, you have to develop your ability to be present. You have to be intentional in all that you do. And that might start with just a few minutes of Bible study. That might just start with a few minutes of prayer. But getting away from the distractions of the world, whether that be our cell phone or coworkers or family, you got to step off and, and have those quiet moments. And as you develop that skill and ability to be intentional, you'll make those experiences more pure where you can stay in the book or in the prayer or in the moment for longer periods of time. So if you're making a transformation from this lukewarm relationship and you're trying to be on fire, don't go from two or three minutes of Bible study to hours and hours and hours. It just doesn't work like that. Second would be that accountability. Same exact explanation that JR had is start to build those layers and those relationships within your community of men and women that will hold you accountable. And that accountability comes from a true position of love and not condemnation and not ridicule and not criticism. Now understand too, when you're searching for those relationships and those people to fill that accountability network, you're probably going to go through a few. There might be some that you think are viable candidates that flat fall on their face. That's fine. Just keep searching and constantly growing. And you know what? As the seasons of life change, those accountability networks are probably going to change. And lastly is just don't be afraid to fail forward. So oftentimes we lean on that survival mentality and we just want to sit on our heels and let life come to us and play it safe because it's comfortable. Don't be afraid to fail forward. Understanding in that forward failing process, you have to extend yourself grace. Mistakes are going to be made. And just because you fail, it does not mean you're a failure. So oftentimes we see a moment in which we fail and brand ourselves with failure. And that is not it, not in the slightest. These are learning opportunities. These are opportunities to grow. It is a tough road. It's a process of constant evolution. There's constant refinement. There's always going to be pitfalls. There's always going to be successes. As you can start to build your ability to be intentional, as you raise your level of accountability, not only for yourself, but within that network, and you develop that fail forward mentality, it's incredible what God will do in your life. And, and you'll soon have the ability to start seeing those opportunities in present time rather than hindsight. Absolutely. No, listen, I think uh, no matter what level you're at, I think uh, the most important thing is to go to the Lord. In the Bible, it says those who seek me wholeheartedly or those who seek me diligently will find me. For me, when I was at rock bottom, I started praying, Lord, I need these people in my life. And I thought it was going to be uh, some rodeo buddies and I thought it would be this guy or that guy. And it didn't always shape out to be that way. Some it was those partners have been different partners in my life and or different than I thought or a new random guy. But it was the that constant communication started and constantly seeking those who diligently seek him will find him. So pray about it. If you need accountability partners, pray about it. Lord, put those people in my life. And he blessed me with one that lives right here in my household at my spouse and it started, start simple. <laughs> like, Heck yeah. Lord, I need wisdom. I'm, I want to be a better Christian, but I don't know how. And so as I'd open up my book, my Bible, and read it, I'd then ask my wife, what does this mean to you? 
and that would strike a conversation. Heck yeah. And, it, you know, it might be something super simple, simple. And those accountability partners, you pray about them, be willing to receive and expect it because they'll come. I think oftentimes we feel like, oh, well, we feel we we feel too scared to ask questions, especially as adults, because we don't want to look dumb or we don't want to look yeah. like we don't know. And you got to get over that, Heck yeah. <laughs> you know, spiritual maturity and spiritual growth happens when when you get in that group and you do ask that. I'm really struggling with what this means here. What does it mean to you? I'm reading this and it's way over my head because there's plenty of people that have studied the book way harder than I have that know way more than I do that I do that with. Hey, I just read this. This is what it means to me. Am I on the right track? And they either say yes or no and get me on the right track. And the the, the most important thing is Jesus just wants you right where you're at. He just wants a relationship with you and he wants you to seek him wholeheartedly. And so I think that's the most important thing. Spend that time in prayer. Just Open up conversation. Lord, I want to hear you today. Give me the ears to hear you. And don't be scared to question it. Lord, I'm not hearing you. Open up my eyes to see you. You know, I need to, I need something. It's, it's crazy. When you start making that your focus, how all of a sudden you start seeing and hearing and feeling and changing and the evidence of Christ shows up when you seek it. Heck yeah. Well, JR, I can't thank you enough for setting time aside for another episode here at White Horse Ramuda. As always, you guys, as, as you're walking your journey out, if there's anything that JR and I can do to support you, do not hesitate to reach out. You can reach JR through social media at JR Vizane, professional bareback rider, uh, JR Vizane on Instagram. And then you can reach us through all the social media platforms at Day Six Ranch or our contact page at day6ranch.com. JR, it's always a pleasure. I always learn so much from you every time we sit down and knock out these conversations, and I'm sure as heck looking forward to the next one. Man, it's an honor to be on and uh, being a vessel, and I hope it uh, just continues to inspire and encourage and strengthen and challenge, and your sayings did out here. If you need anything, holler to us, and don't be scared to reach out. We're uh, two broken men in a broken world serving a big God, and just want more people to experience that. Amen. We'll catch you on the next one. Love you, brother. Love you, too. Thanks for joining us on Day 6 Ranch Podcast. If you are looking to build a legacy-worthy lifestyle, we encourage you to visit day6ranch.com and stay connected through our monthly newsletter, explore our free content, and dive into our leadership and human optimization educational opportunities. As always, subscribing to our show is a huge help. But more importantly, if a message you heard today moved you, then please share the show with just one person who may benefit from the same message. We must continue to take care of our own, so stay in the fight, and we'll see you on the next one.